0: This is the Freestyle Way. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. As you can hear today, my voice is a little rough. Uh, I managed to catch a cold. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've been been getting sick quite a bit since (laughs) I've had a toddler uh, living in my house. As some of you know, I became a grandfather two years ago. And, uh, yeah, he spends a lot of time uh, with me and my wife, and uh, as toddlers do, they uh, yeah they get little colds here and there, and although he has plenty of energy, uh, I, uh, I catch these colds, and it, it knocks me out for a day or two, and uh, one of the things that's been going is my voice, so that's why you hear me uh, sounding a little rough. But anyways, welcome back to the podcast, today, episode 59 of the podcast, and I'm still As you know, revamping the podcast, trying to bring it back to life and finding uh, a format that I think um, uh, can stick and work and apply to anything that you're seeking in terms of the content that I I share and the people that I'm talking to. And in the uh, constant uh, search for making this podcast something meaningful to you, I am exploring different ways of um, creating episodes and sharing information. And today's episode is... Uh, a share from an old podcast that I uh, did many years ago, uh, many years ago, meaning maybe four years ago. And this was the Better Human podcast by Ryan Muncy, uh, episode 60, if you want to find it on online and find the uh, original. But I'm, I'm actually going to share it here today so you don't have to go uh, looking for it. And the reason I want to share this podcast is because I believe that in this interview, uh, a lot came up in terms of the way that I think. And it came at a time where I was in a transition from coaching physical movement to uh, transitioning into uh, coaching more on the human performance side in terms of mindset, creativity, and the application to uh, being either uh, a better creator, um, a better coach, a better professional, craftsperson, etc. So uh, that's what I want to share. So in this episode, I sit down with uh, Ryan Muncie who is interviewing me and uh, you get to hear a side of me that maybe I haven't shared on this podcast up until this point. And I hope that the uh, information that comes from it inspires you and moves you in a positive way. And in addition to that, something that I am going to start doing is encouraging you to um, subscribe to the podcast and uh, to do so because it actually helps uh, get the podcast out into the world and for more people to find it. So if you find this podcast um, valuable... And you want to share it, share it, subscribe to it. And if you can, if you have two minutes, three minutes, uh, one minute, uh, leave a review. And something that you can do in terms of leaving a review, and this has been something that I learned from uh, one of my guests, Justin Costelli, is you can leave a review on, um, on any platform that you listen to the podcast on and to do it from the perspective of complimenting the guest that I hosted. Meaning, if I had Tracy Piper on the last show, uh, and you learned something from Tracy Piper, in the review, uh, leave her name, Tracy Piper, and uh, and share what you learned from her. And that is something that can be very valuable and make the reviews a little bit more interesting. So, uh, with that being said, Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And here is the Freestyle Way podcast with myself being interviewed by Ryan Muncy on the Better Human Project. This Enjoy. is the Freestyle Way.
1: We talk about, you know, mental, emotional, and physical movement. And, you know, one of the things that I am always interested in talking about, I was actually the reason I was a minute late is because I was on a call with a friend of mine. He We've been you know, childhood friends. And every time we, we call each other, we, we start going kind of deep down the rabbit hole of, yeah. you know, self-development and what is it we care about. And I was just telling him right now that like what I care about the most is I really care about brand development. I'm really deep into branding okay. and how, how branding is really all about having a philosophy. But most people, uh, they can intellectually get it, but emotionally can't go there. They, they really struggle uh, to find uh, the words. And, and that's where I am right now. Like, okay, how can we start to get people to articulate what okay. brand means? Um, so, yeah, I'm like brand business development um, for, you know, becoming better. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm in.
2: The red button is blinking, so let's just make that a rolling start. There you go. <laughs> and and let's, <laughs> let's welcome Carl Powley to the Better Human product, Project podcast. And we'll just start right there, and we'll talk about branding and you know, how do we get more of that emotional connection. Because if you look at any of the brands that have had success short-term, long-term, you know whether they're recent startups or blue chips, there has to be that emotional connection. Mm-hmm how do you help people get beyond sort of the the mental and the surface level stuff with branding to create something that consumers want to be a part of?
1: Yeah, I mean, Nike just yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the ad they dropped with uh, Serena Williams. No. Uh, it's about women and dreaming crazy. So it's kind of a follow-up on, on the Dream Crazy ad that went uh, viral with Colin Kaepernick. And by
2: the way, your interview with Charlie was amazing. Oh, cool. Thanks, yeah.
1: dude. He, he's a, he's yeah. a pretty special character. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. Um, so it, it was highly emotional. And they, they used the emotion to cut straight to the chase of, it's not about... Uh, uh, what you do. It's how you do it. And I think when it comes to branding, that's one of the things that we're trying to, we're trying to get people to understand that your brand, your personal brand is what you stand for. Right. And most people me, don't know. Right, it Most people me, have been told to stand for something. Yeah. Yeah. That's true.
2: Uh, most people, I talk about this a lot where when we do, when I work with people, we talk about defining your values. You know, and most people in a business or in an organization are used to that thought process, but they've never actually done it for themselves. Um, but it reminds me of the book, Start with Why. Have you mm-hmm. read that? Yeah. And basically, it reverses the order of most people talk about what they do, how they do it, why yeah. they do it. But if you reverse that, why you do the things that you do, you are able to start to tell that story in a much more um, universally. Understood and easier to connect way, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, and and to not be you know too convoluted here or anything, but like Simon Sinek's, mm-hmm. uh, why is kind of like why, how, who. Uh, it, it sounds very simple, but it's just not. Right. And most people are not willing to ask themselves those questions. And I think when it comes to branding, um, you know, like I was just thinking about Nike yesterday. Although I'm with Strike Movement, uh, I can't help to celebrate what they're doing because it it's it's impressive. And it goes straight to the heart.
2: As you build uh, what you guys are doing with Strike Movement, do you look at how Nike impacted you emotionally through your childhood and your young athletic career and then try to do the same with Strike from the other side?
1: 100%. I mean, for me, so my first uh, connection with Uh, Nike, was uh, my dad went to New Zealand to run a half marathon. So he flew from Spain to New Zealand to uh, run this half marathon. And he was competing with a friend of his. So it was just, you know, a friendly competition. They decided, okay, we're going to train for this thing. And then we're going to go and complete it. And then we're going to compete against each other. And we'll have, you know, some friendly rivalry. And uh, he came back. And one of the things that uh, they got, I guess, in their swag bag was this windbreaker that on one side of the chest had the BMW logo and on the other side of the chest had the Nike logo. And he gave that to me because it was a free thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that cool if you really think about it. It was right. just, you know, some cheap merch, but it had the Nike logo. I just thought that was so cool and I immediately associated those two brands, BMW mm-hmm. and Nike, mm-hmm. with um, doing something that is uh, out there. Right. Like, oh, man, you just decided you're going to run half a marathon, which you could have done here in Spain. You, you decided to do it in New Zealand. That's crazy. Right. Right. It, it, felt, it felt so remote. And then there was competition involved. Like you, you, you decided, OK, you could have competed against the thousands of people running the marathon, but you decided to compete against a friend and you made it your own. And I just found that to be so cool. So my first association with a brand like Nike was that. And then the other thing was that uh, that was when the swoosh lived on its own. It didn't Mm -hmm. have to have Nike on top of it. Right. So I thought that was a big deal, too, when it came to simplicity. What a beautiful thing to have something so simple that can say so much. So that's when I really started getting into this, uh, visual aspect of things. And, and, and that, you know, I was, I was a gymnast at the time. Uh, I was always wondering like, what brands do I want to wear and, and how do I relate to these brands and, and where do they show up and how do they make me feel? So it was always this feeling. And fast forward to, I think it was like 2009 or 2010, it was probably 2010, uh, a friend of mine, Mary Shenuda, mm-hmm. uh invited me to uh, go meet a friend of hers at uh, Twitter. Uh, Mary Shanuda is paleo chef on on Instagram. Shout out to her, Fat Fudge. Uh, she's doing amazing things. But she said, "You know what? You need to get that blue check mark next to your name on Twitter. Uh, you need to get verified." And I went there and I met a friend of his, uh, of hers uh, who was a, kind of running. I believe it was kind of the celebrity accounts or he, he managed the big, the big accounts and I forget exactly his title, but I remember he was showing us around and he's like, so Carl, um, you know, what are you all about? And I was like, well, I teach movement and I'm in the CrossFit space and I started going down this rabbit hole of, uh, all these technical things that I do. And he's like, you have no fucking clue, do you? (laughs) And I was silent. And he said, look, um, You came in here talking about your personal brand, but uh, you don't have a brand because you don't have a philosophy. You don't even know what you stand for. And at first I was like, this guy's a dick. But that stuck with me. I didn't know what I stood for. And how was I going to articulate what I stood for in a way that could connect emotionally with people, physically with people, and intellectually with them?
2: Solving the question or puzzle dilemma that he put in front of you has probably been one of the most beneficial things for your own brand your own uh financial spiritual well-being mental well-being since then but isn't it funny how the things that will bring us the most growth and development are sometimes the hardest things to face in the moment
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's where people say, you know, you learn from failure or once you meet resistance, it's kind of like I-, I talk about uh, preventive medicine a lot and it's impossible to sell preventive medicine. Right? No one cares. Right? People only care if they got really hurt or if they want something really bad and they're meeting tons of resistance and they're desperate, then they'll be interested in uh, what we, you know, consider preventive medicine. So, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating uh, psychological perspective to see that the things that cause us the most pain and uh, we feel are the most restrictive are the things that allow us to express ourselves at the highest level. And I think that's the creativity of things. It's kind of like once you have structure, if someone gives you some standards, your creative abilities uh, blow up. And it's, and it's kind of like a, uh, managing abundance. Um, if, if you have a thousand bucks in your bank account and you don't know how to manage a thousand bucks, you have no business having 2000, 3000, So it's important to have simplicity. And I think this, when it comes to branding is extremely important. And the only way you can arrive there is through clarity. But how do you, how do you find clarity? Well, that's, that's the challenge.
2: So how did you do that for yourself? And then we can talk about how you're helping other people do it as well. But
1: yeah, as as I hear that question, what I'm hearing is as if I had arrived, and well, I ha- it's inevitable. But, but when you, I mean, when you went,
2: what, what year did you say this was? 2010, 2010. right? So from that point until now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you've accomplished. You, you've had a book come out. You did gymnastics. wad you did, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've gotten involved with Strike. You have all these things going on, and I think when you were talking to him at that time at Twitter, you know, kind of what I hear is you do a lot of things and on the surface level, they look Mm non-related, but I feel like I resonate with what you're going through or, or went through then. Because if you look at all of the different jobs, if you want to call them jobs that I've had, It looks like it's really random, but it's not. It's a bunch of different ways of really kind of doing the same thing, which is helping people maximize life, which Mm -hmm. is something else we'll we'll talk about a lot because I know that's that's important to you. But how did you get from what maybe looked like a shotgun spray and pray approach to more of like a sniper kind of? dialing it in. This is what I do.
1: Yeah, that that is a great question. It's reps, 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 reps. So one of the examples is, you know, I teach seminars. I was just in Memphis, um, yesterday and, uh, I taught this seminar and, and as I'm teaching this seminar, some people who are in attendance feel like I am a genius, like, Oh man, Carl's a guru. He's just like 10 steps ahead of me. He's reading my mind. But in reality, I'm really not. I've just done the repetitions And the process uh, will always reveal very similar solutions for everyone. As complex as we are, the expression is simple. So um, what I did was I just focused on the process. Okay, someone just told me that I don't know what I stand for. What the heck does that mean? Well, I need to start asking myself some questions like what do I care about? Who do I care about? When do I care about them? How do I want to be remembered? Uh, How do I want to treat people? How do I want to be treated? You you start going down this rabbit hole of asking yourself all these questions. And as much as you do and as much as you may meditate or as much as you may, you know, dunk yourself in ice water or do whatever it is that you have to do to arrive at some conclusions, uh, it's a never-ending story. Mm. That being said, I believe that if you execute on the things that you learn along the way, uh, it kind of leaves a trail behind you. And that trail, if you uh, are willing on a consistent basis to look back at it, you start seeing patterns. And those patterns are the brand. That's what you're leaving behind. And now it's, it's up to you to uh, also notice how are people associating with your path, with your process. And when you can do that, now you get both sides of the coin. You get your own process, which is how you're walking the path, and then how people are observing your path or joining in on your path. And when you have those two, now you can influence and be influenced. And that's the beauty of branding, is that your philosophy, as unique as you think you are, is. It's not just you, <laughs> it's, it's heavily nurtured by those that you are, uh, supposedly influencing through the work that you do. So yeah, uh, the way that I did it was just doing the reps. I acted on what I was feeling. And this is kind of like, uh, to the title of your book, F your feelings. Um, what, what I think you're, you're attempting to say in the book is your feelings don't dictate who you are. Right. And that behind your feelings are some thoughts. And those thoughts are telling you a story. And it's up to you to ask yourself whether that story is true or not. And that's that's why you have to execute. Because you won't get proof of that until you do something about it. Right.
2: And I think one of the biggest arguments that I make in the book is that we, we need to cultivate more awareness. And it is this awareness that brings us choice. And one of the things we need to be more aware of is the fact that 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in any given moment. If you're always acting or deciding based on how you feel, you're very rarely going to set out at point A and end up at point Z, you know, whether it's trying to be an Olympic athlete or a business owner or create a brand. There's the the larger and the more daunting the goal, the more opportunities there are between creation or or, you know, the ideation of the goal and the realization of it for us to be led astray during that journey. You know, Logan talks about it as the follow through, Mm -hmm. right? And the more times, uh, that we give in to our feelings, you know, the more we deviate from our course. So, you know, that's one of the reasons for the the name of the book, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we have to interrogate You know, our our unconscious mind, our our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our values. What do we stand for? What do we not stand for? Mm -hmm. Who who will we be standing with? Um, I love all of this. So how would you define your brand today?
1: You know, it's hard to say. Uh, But I, I do know that one of the things that has given me purpose and allowed me to constantly come back to the path mm-hmm. has been fitness. Mm-hmm. And although I struggle with my personal physical fitness, I know that my emotional and mental fitness are always there. They, they kind of serve as my base. So uh, I think my brand stands for being fit. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are you fit for? And if there are 7.5 billion people walking this planet, I'm sure there are 7.5 iterations of what fitness means. Right. So what I'm trying to figure out is, okay, at, at the core, what does that mean to you? Okay, maybe we're looking at, you know, uh, Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Okay, are you getting your basic needs met? Great. Once you get to the point of uh, craving individuality, how are you expressing that individuality? And is that uh, making a positive impact that goes beyond yourself? Because that's when we get to that need of contribution, of wanting to really uh, leave a legacy and make sure that what we're doing is is making a positive impact in this world. And, and for me, it's uh, leave it better than than how you found it. And and it's a tricky place to live because you're constantly evolving and constantly changing. So if I, if I had to um, name the core or the foundation of my brand or philosophy it's it's uh being fit and then asking ourselves fit for what and that's up to you to answer and I think that's how I reflect back to people
2: yeah, and I think I think that's one of the reasons that you stand out in the movement and fitness community is because most people in that community are pushing or selling their own agenda mm-hmm. and you're not you're helping people to figure out what their own agenda is and helping them move forward and evolve um, almost like that. Teach them person to fish and they feed themselves for
1: life. Exactly. And I think where, where I struggle, like one of the things that I'm currently wrestling with is that I don't want to create a business around the um, notion of solving other people's problems or even helping people solve their problems. I'd rather create a business that leads them to want to solve their problems and then have the information there available for them. It's almost like uh, thinking about uh, making information uh, free, which uh, encyclopedias back in the day. So if you had uh, an encyclopedia, you would go and you would buy one. But now you, you have Wikipedia or you have Google and it's uh, quote unquote free, <laughs> you pay for it. To, to some degree, somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Um, but we have access. So at what point of the access do I want to start developing my business? And that's what I'm currently wrestling with.
2: Well, it goes back to what you said earlier about people not necessarily being interested in preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. And some of this is getting into that preventative, like you just said, you want to help people with the information so that when they're ready, they can. How do you that that has to be one of the most difficult things about mm-hmm. figuring out your your approach, your your angle, where you're meeting them on the journey. How do you get people to kind of step into your ecosystem? How do you
1: enter theirs? Yeah, I think right now what, what gets people into the ecosystem is the cool factor. So if I do a handstand by the bridge, people are like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right? Once you got them there, now you can start having the conversation. And I think one of the things that... Uh, most people see whether they're conscious of it or not is if, if I kick up to a handstand and I do a handstand in a beautiful scenery and I do something uh, that is just slightly outside of the norm of what the majority of people do from a visual perspective, most people will see that and be like, oh, that's pretty insane, actually. Like that requires something. He didn't just wake up one day and could do that he spent some time developing this body of work that now is being showcased in this one moment that most of us could not do right now, which all of a sudden separates you and creates this gap. And we are wired for this gap. People have gods, people have religions, people have ideals, and they try to uh, model these ideal behaviors and one of the ways that I can be like quote unquote godlike is by showcasing something that most people can't do now this could be considered trickery or manipulation so we want to be really careful with this and be like no 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 this is a trick this is a magic trick it's an illusion and if you were attracted to this illusion because it evokes some feeling of wonder of curiosity, guess what? There are are questions you can ask yourself that will lead to some solutions that will get you closer to see what is true and see the reality and that you can do it too. It may take you longer than some other people. You may not be interested in doing this thing, but you too can do it. This is real. So that's where I live right now. It's how can I get people excited enough to think that they are seeing something that is so far out there that they, they are curious enough to want to approach it and move towards it. And once they get into the ecosystem, now I can be like, hey, guys, I'm just a dude trying to figure it out. You didn't see me, but I was shaking like a leaf. You didn't see what happened before I started recording and after or how many tries it took me to get that moment. And that's are you what I saying, want to showcase. Are
2: you saying all of that in a either in the comments or like in a follow up or so you are showing
1: I am, all but people don't want to hear it. See, I would think that they would. They don't because they wanna believe that there's the magic exists. It's kinda of like um believing in Santa Claus. Right it's like, I mean, I'm I'm sure as
2: well versed as you are in branding and marketing, you've heard uh, one of my favorite books is building a story brand, Mm -hmm. Donald Miller, right? So it's like, you're not the hero, right? You're not Yoda or you're Yoda. You're not Luke Skywalker, right? So when you're, when you're showing the magic trick, people want to believe that you're Luke Skywalker and what you're trying to do is step back and say no, and not to say that we're trying to be Yoda, but our, our role our guide what we're trying to do is be the conduit to others success
1: 100 percent.
2: why is it that so so many people are so reluctant to see you or us or others who are trying to be that in that role why don't people put themselves as the hero in their own story
1: i think i think this is something logan gilbrink talks about a lot he talks about wanting to be led so you, you need to be ready to lead ready to follow it's comfortable to follow it's comfortable to have a nine to five. It's, comfor- it's comfortable to know when things are gonna happen because now my stress levels go down. I feel safe. I'm comfortable. I'm not suffering or perceived suffering. Right. So I think that's that's a huge part of it is that we wanna be comfortable and we know that if we ask ourselves these questions or we try to do these things, we're going to be uncomfortable. And for some reason, <laughs> For many reasons, we are scared of being uncomfortable. I mean, just yesterday, I was watching uh, a little mini documentary that the Yes Theory guys uh, put out on YouTube, uh, and it was with Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Wim did, and that, and I've watched all these things with Wim Hof, and I've done some of his breathing, and I've been in the ice, and I, I don't like it <laughs> because I know what it brings out of me, uh, but I, I see the value of it. But what Wim did and what Yes Theory managed to capture was someone like Wim being like, um, we need proof to see if what I'm saying is really true. So you guys are going to be my guinea pigs and I'm going to try something different. I'm not going to teach you my technique, my method. I'm just going to get you straight to it. And they all did it. Uh, Of course, he took some precautions and it was safe. But uh, basically what's happening is someone like Wim is trying to cut through the bullshit. Where I don't think people want that necessarily. It's kind of like, oh, you're cutting straight to the chase? like, oh, I'm going to die, this is going to end, this too shall pass. I don't want to hear that because that's kind of scary yeah. because that means now I need to look up at the stars and realize that I'm just a speck of dust floating around this thing that I don't even know what it is and that the smartest people in the world are trying to solve and they don't know what it is. That's scary. So I think I think that's one of the reasons why people just want to be like, oh, you know what, Ryan, he knows some things. He wrote a book. If he wrote a book and he has a podcast and he's putting himself out there and he has a couple of tens of thousands uh, followers, he must know. It's fine. Let let Ryan take care of that. Right. Let Carl take care of that. I'm good here.
2: And that leads me into another question uh, that I had written down, you made a post recently. Um, uh, you're an influencer. Congrats. Now Mm -hmm. what? So for all of those people that may be in that position of, okay, you've got this many followers or you have this many subscribers or whatever, what would you say to those folks to maximize the use of the platform that they now have?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So I I first need to go a little, do a little aside here. The fact that you're bringing up that post, that post was an attempt of me having a ghostwriter. Okay. So the fact that you saw that post and maybe even read it uh, is awesome because that was something that I spoke into uh, my phone and I sent it to a friend of mine, uh, Raphael, who who wrote it uh, because we wanted to see how quickly, can we produce content and can we produce content that has meaningful, um, uh, content in there that, that people can use and maybe get people thinking and still have my voice in it. Mm-hmm. So that's an aside. That's, that's, that's really cool. Uh, what was the question again? Mm-hmm. Let me, let me get straight into it. Well,
2: so you were saying that you, you finished kind of the previous answer of, okay, people maybe look at me or you or somebody with a hundred thousand followers or mm-hmm. 50,000 followers and like, Oh, well, they know something I don't know, and I can't do that. And, you know, so my question is, you know, if somebody is in a position of influence, how would you coach them or advise them on using that platform to make the most impact?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, this is kind of something I got from parenting, that there are natural consequences. And you're an influencer of yourself and anyone who you are in a relationship with. So we're all quote unquote influencers. And, uh, if, if you can see how your actions are influencing the outcomes that you're seeing in your life, now I don't have to tell you what to do. You kind of know, it's like, okay, you you do need to brush your teeth once in a while. You actually do need to flush. You should wipe your ass. You should maybe take a shower. Maybe it'll be good to exercise, right? Maybe you should manage your finances, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So... So um, I think it starts with oneself. It's how do you want to influence yourself? And this is where now Mm -hmm. our self-talk comes in. And it's, it's you and yourself. What relationship do you want to have with yourself? Because as long as you're alive, you and yourself are going to be united. So this is not about leaving yourself at the door. It's not about leaving your ego at the door. Your ego comes with you. So what relationship do you have with your ego? And the way I see it is that yourself, your ego, um, is the, the moral access on, on which that moral compass spins It's the axis on which the moral compass spins. So it's what allows you to go from being, if you're ego driven, judgmental to more discerning. So how are you being discerning in your actions and your self-talk and how is that influencing the way that you're behaving and then the awareness piece which is what you talk about is how aware are you of the feedback that you're getting because a lot of us shut shut the the outside world down and we don't hear we don't see we don't feel what's really coming back at us and that's where now there's another level and we need to start moving through that space. But we, can, we can't we can do that unless we start with the beginning, which is there's you, the essence of you, the thing that's never changed since you were born, and yourself, the way that you think you are, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> which is uh, not totally aligned or uh, correct. Right. That's the exploration. How close can you get to yourself? And the way that you do that is... By starting here, having these conversations. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, paying attention to how you're exploring the world, how people are interacting with you. I think it's as simple as that.
2: It's, yeah. And it, it's like simple is not complicated, but easy. It's not easy, meaning that it, it's not
1: uh, without effort. Right? Yeah. Anything that's beautiful, anything that is uh, attractive is simple. But it's not easy. It's not easy to perform like the best in the world. They make it look easy. They make it look simple, but it's not. It's, it's very complicated. There, there's levels. Right. <laughs> there, there's right. levels to it.
2: I always laugh uh, when I'm in the gym when I was coaching or, or now I'm, I'm in the gym and I see other coaches demo moves and uh, you know I hear somebody say, oh, you make that look so easy, and, and I'm sure you must get that a lot. But the simple fact of the matter is if I can't make it look easy, if you can't make it look easy, what business do you have teaching it and how could that person expect you to ask them to do it or, or coach
1: them to do it? I know that, yeah. that that's a movement
2: example, but yeah, I mean yeah, the yeah. same thing applies to branding or 100%. whatever. One hundred
1: percent. No, I think I think that's a good example. So there's there's a couple things there. One is that uh, you don't have to be able to do something really well to be able to teach it. It's kind of like if you're uh, Tiger Woods's uh, swing coach, you, you don't have to be better at swinging the club than Tiger Woods. You don't need to have that skill, but your understanding of the environment that you're creating that's going to make someone like Tiger Woods, who is the highest level performer within a sport, or at least has been, uh, you need to understand how to create that environment. And then at what level are we operating mentally, emotionally, or physically? How do I create moments there that allow you to perform at the highest level and then how do i uh see the nuances that are going to allow me to dial in your swing the swing that's going to allow you to create the best power output and hit the ball exactly the way that you want to hit it so i think i think that's one side the other side is um as teachers or someone who is uh trying to uh, instill or influence in others we i don't know if this ever happened to you as a trainer or as a coach but when you were working with someone, if they weren't performing at the level and the standard that you wanted them to perform, what I experienced back in the day, if someone was moving like crap, I
0: was like, man,
1: I hope no one sees us right now because this is really embarrassing. And it's a representation of who I am, mm-hmm. which is total bullshit. Right. This is not about you. Right. But we think that way. Yeah. And I think that is one of the biggest problems as influencers and it's something that I have struggled with a lot. It's kind of like, okay, I'm trying to tell you something, guys. Here, listen, I'm over here and this is what I'm saying and you guys are doing the complete opposite. And I start thinking that that is a representation of my work, my thinking, my beliefs, when reality is not. It's just a state of progression. And if we can live as quote-unquote, influencers or leaders, uh, with the understanding that we're all in a constant state of adaptation, we're constantly evolving, then this this too shall pass. And the thing that we're so scared of is actually the thing that we should appreciate the most. And I think that's where we really need to start um, having a dialogue around that because that's very hard to understand. Mm-hmm.
2: You mentioned you don't like what happens or, or I forget exactly how you said it, but when you get in the ice, yeah, <laughs> what happens? What what don't you like? Uh,
1: pain has the ability to bring out what's deep down in the brain mm-hmm. and wherever you haven't been emotionally uh, balanced or stable or nurtured, uh, it will, it will come up. It will will happen. I, as a kid, since I can remember, have I've always been really scared, terrified, like paralyzed, couldn't do sleepovers, you know, with friends, uh, which uh, made me uh, react and act out, like or saying really mean things, uh, punishing my mom. That will come out, all those fears. The, the beauty of it, though, that that's on the other side is is like when what, if I get sick or I feel like, OK, I'm about to die, my immediate uh, reaction is to start telling everyone that I care about, that I love them, that I appreciate them, that I'm so thankful for them. And yeah, that it's just such a scary and vulnerable place to be in that sometimes knowing that that's there, you start to avoid it. And if you avoid it long enough, all of a sudden one day it explodes and it comes to bite you in the ass. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the things that happens. But it's not just ice. It's uh, like, for example, if I do a big trip or I know that I have big effort coming up, something with work, something that's going to require me to be really on my game and focused for long periods of time. And I know that the wires eventually are going to touch and I'm going to start to freak out a little bit. Uh, it's knowing that I may do or say some things that are slightly out of this beautiful controlled character that I'm currently exhibiting and being that vulnerable and being raw is scary because, uh, I know, and so do you, is that a lot of us, we judge people on their behaviors and I don't want to be judged on my behaviors. I want to be judged on my character. And like you, the example that I actually like from your book is, uh, weather versus climate. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be judged on my, on the weather. I want to be judged on the climate.
2: Yeah. But I mean, I think that's, that is a great analogy for what we're talking about. And especially for, for an individual like yourself, I mean, your character is definitely character is definitely weather behavior Mm -hmm. would be, uh, sorry character would be climate behavior would be weather. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have the body of work that your climate is pretty well established. I mean, you'd have to have a year or two of, you know, unseasonal weather to, to start to shift it one way. But I mean, my point is, I think you, again, like you're, you're saying, I mean, we kind of overemphasize some of those little moments and those little behaviors that we think are magnified more than, Maybe they are Mm
1: -hmm. by other people, but it it could be, sorry to interrupt you, but it could be because, uh, it's part of our craft. It's our daily work. Right. So the, the lines get a little blurry between what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Right. And then all of a sudden you're you're you feel like an imposter and right. you start feeling a little uncomfortable. You're like, man, I'm falling off the wagon. Should I tell people? Oh man, maybe I shouldn't tell people because well, it may freak them out.
2: And that's part of going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, if you're doing a handstand or you're kicking up and mm-hmm. you gotta tell people how much you're shaking and how right. much you're struggling. And I think the more that we do that the more it does help people to start to see themselves as oh i could be that i could be the hero this part, this is this guy's not trying to be luke, luke skywalker he is trying mm-hmm. to be yoda he's just trying to help but um i was going to ask you a question on that and and i don't remember where i was going to go with it but yeah i um, interrupted you no my, my bad you're, you're fine you're <laughs> fine um Influences. I, mm. I I'm dying to know, you know, with all of this development and, and growth and, and introspection, you know, what are some of your uh big influences?
1: Yeah, or I actually who? I was just having this conversation on the phone with my friend as I was heading over here. Um, yeah, the I, I guess the biggest influences I've had have been my parents, my siblings, and my immediate family. And then my coaches growing up, my teammates. Uh and then uh, within kind of a, a professional setting, I mean, I had teachers and professors in, in college that I really looked up to, and I thought what they were doing was so amazing. Uh, and then who was the actor from Cheers? Uh, Ted uh, Danson? Yeah. Uh, he was part of, I think he was a spokesperson or he was an advocate of um, uh, an organization. I, I forget what it's called. Something with conservation of the oceans. So when I started environmental science, I was like, man, if an actor can put their face... And I didn't even watch Cheers, okay? But I thought it was interesting the way that he spoke about the organization. I started thinking, oh, yeah, there's something very powerful about being a spokesperson for an organization as an actor because being an entertainer uh, holds people's focus. Actually, entertainment means holding focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so people who make movies, to me are influences that I I pay attention to. And I mean, just yesterday um, uh, with the Oscars happening, you you can't help to look at the people who are going up and giving their acceptance speech and how they're doing it. Uh, The guy from uh, Green Book who uh, won the Oscar, I forget forget what his name is. Um, His name is, uh, I'm blanking right now on the name. Anyways, when he was speaking, I was like, man, it's not him, but it's his way of speaking right now that I'm influenced by. Uh, I mean, in CrossFit, it was Greg Glassman, Kelly Starrett, uh, who I was around. Those were huge influences. Uh, outside of that, uh, Marshall Rosenberg with nonviolent communication, uh, Daniel Pink with his book Drive. Uh, I find that very interesting, his, his, his whole concept of people need autonomy. They need, need a, pro, pro, uh, a path to mastery, and they need purpose. Uh, yeah, so these these are some of the influences that exist out there, and then of course you listen to someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, who uh, may almost be going mainstream in terms of the stuff that he does. You you see someone like Tony Robbins. Um, yeah, he, everyone in reality that uh, is out there has that I've listened to or happened to come across by accident has influenced me in some some capacity. Elon Musk I find really really interesting, of course, and I wonder how does he do it.
2: so I want to talk a little bit more about movement we Mm -hmm. touched on it earlier but I mean I think for me some of the bigger questions are are involved around that conversation are you know you mentioned 7.5 billion people we know that the population is more sedentary than it has ever been how do we get more movement into our daily lives you know like you said the way you said it earlier was brilliant you know Maybe you should brush your teeth a little bit more. Maybe you should take a shower. Maybe you should get that workout in. How do we get to that point where it doesn't have to be seen as this? A task. Yeah. a it, task it needs to be or be interesting. Or do you, yeah.
1: yeah it, it, this is something I've been saying a lot lately. I have like this little mantra going on in my head, which is high interest, not interest rate as your bank, but high interest. I want to be highly interested in something and I want there to be low drag. So high interest, mm-hmm. low drag. If something is interesting, you immediately gravitate towards it. And then low drag, meaning there's little resistance, so it just kind of happens. Mm -hmm. So if we can create an environment that is highly interesting and of low drag, then we can start to influence how you are getting your basic needs met. And one of the basic needs that we have is is to be healthy physically. And that means that you have to... uh, eat the right way, you have to sleep, you have to do all the basics, and then you also have to stretch yourself in terms of uh, how you're moving. Is that running? Is it jumping? Is it lifting? What does it look like? And this is where right now, even within my organization, is uh, we're talking about where, where are we going to anchor our message in terms of uh, capturing people's interest in a way that is broad enough that we can support volume and velocity within the company. Because if I tell you, hey, we're just going to learn how to move, kind of like, for what? But if I say, I want you to move more effectively, and efficiently for CrossFit, or if you're into yoga for yoga, or kettlebells, or weightlifting, now you're like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. So uh, we need to find what is interesting. I think that's 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 number one. And I think everyone knows what they're interested in. And if they're not interested in se- In something that is physical, that's when the environment needs to change.
2: Right, right. So does that summarize what freestyle means to you?
1: In a nutshell, uh, freestyle is a philosophy where the goal is to get to a place where we can accept and respect all styles, meaning all ways that we behave, all ways that we move, all ways that we think, because sometimes I have dark thoughts. That can be really, uh, really dark. Mm-hmm. And and to be able to accept and respect that but not succumb to it is a big one. So I think freestyle at the highest level is that. The other thing is cele- celebrating uh, one's own genuine, unique way of doing things and realizing that uh, it may not be the best way for a large group of people, but if it's the best way for you, I want to nurture that. I want to keep uh, encouraging that. And ultimately um, we base this off of doing four things. One, trying to inform people or help people find the information because it's out there. And then taking that information, turn it into something more conceptual. The second thing we want to do is we want to connect people. We want people to feel like they belong, that they have a community that they can do it with uh, more than themselves. And then uh, we want to encourage people, which is inspire them, uh, and this of course happens in many different ways. But uh, it's, it's it's exploring inspiration, and then finally uh, supporting them, which is, let's say our company starts to do pretty well, and now we can actually contribute beyond our business itself. Uh, we would like to do that, uh, so that's kind of what freestyle is all about. And I think it's more of a it's more of a human experience. Uh, more than anything else. And I don't know what it's going to unfold into. Uh, maybe 10 years from now, it's it's kind of like a, a version of a venture group, for example. Okay.
2: You mentioned earlier um, kind of you and then yourself. And, you know, the you is like the you that you've always been ever since you were a kid. And I imagine that you do. I'm imagining like young Carl. Mm-hmm. and And I'm imagining something very similar or someone very similar to who I see when I see you, it's usually through social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you, what are some of your favorite methods to kind of stay centered or grounded and be that version of you?
1: I mean, without without being super cliche, I think uh, gratitude is such a powerful one. It kind of goes back to when I'm sick or when I'm suffering, like my tendency is to be like, hey, I love you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you because it allows me to ground myself in what is right now, what is really important. Uh, so I think that would be number one. Then intellectually, just knowing where I am, th- the fact that we're in this room right now, I know I'm in San Francisco I know what the weather is like outside when I look out. I know that oh, it may be a little windy or maybe a little cold or rainy, uh, that I can control certain things about that. That's really powerful. So focusing on what you can control is is, a, is another one. And then realizing that I can alter the way that I'm sitting, the way that I'm walking, the way that I'm talking, the, the, I, the my breath it can alter my physiology that is really powerful too. So, uh, of course it's very, uh, popular right now to focus on the breath, but this is not new. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like, yes, uh, your breathing will affect how, how fast your heart is beating and you can control that. So sometimes it just, it's a matter of counting. I think you actually had in your book, a few exercises on, I forget who you were quoting in the book though. Um,
2: Uh, for, for breath work. Um, I was actually really lucky. I got to interview Dr. Stephen Porges, who is the guy who basically discovered polyvagal theory and heart rate variability. Um, that was fascinating. So I got to talk to him and what I learned from him was that the inhalation is a sympathetic activity. The exhalation is parasympathetic. So long before I had met him, I had practiced box breathing, which came from Mark Devine Mm -hmm. and, um, that's something that the Navy SEALs have done. And it's a pretty popular method of breath work or breath control. But what I learned from Dr. Porges was that for it to be a parasympathetic activity, we actually need the exhalation to be slightly longer than the inhalation. So then I kind of made that amendment in the book and said, you know, okay, okay, I'll still do box breathing, but my exhalation is, my box is not a perfect square. You know, I've got the, the exhalation side is slightly longer, Um, then there's, you know, parachute breathing and I talked a little bit about Wim Hof, but I didn't get into Mm -hmm. that fully in the book because, you know, go read his book. Don't learn Wim Hof from me, learn it from him.
1: so, So to the, to the point, basically it's like, there's an infinite number of ways of doing it and, uh, the information is out there. Right. So it's, uh. I think what I'm trying to do here as, as you're asking me, how do I manage, for example, uh, how I'm my state? Well, those, those, are, the, those are the basic ones. And, and then, of course, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack or not, but I've had several. One of the things that I know works for me is just cold shower, which sends me into shock and gets me breathing. Well, puts you in the present? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it, for me, it's sometimes delayed because once you're in a panic attack, it doesn't bring you straight to it. Like your your body swings out faster than you do. Right. You, you kind of swing with it. So it takes it takes until you're shivering. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, that you start breathing and then all of a sudden you start to settle. And that's where you get that uh, feeling of like, oh, ease. Everything starts to kind of melt off. So I think that's really powerful. The other one is just kind of it's almost like sprinting. You know, if you do something physical, you just go all out until you almost pass out. Mm-hmm. I'm not recommending that, but I've done that. And I guess that that's what was happening to me as a kid when I was freaking out. I would lash out uh violently. I would wanna punch stuff. I wanna hurt you. Because I wanted to get to the point where I could go beyond myself. Right and let my body swing so I can swing right behind it uh, and this is where it's important to realize that your your body is smarter than who you are so let your body do what it has to do and then follow and this is something I, I, I talk about in my book is like the answers are in the book not my book your book and the book is the body mm-hmm. now it is a black box and there's a lot that we don't know so we need to test and that's why science is here uh but let your body do some work we're we're constantly trying to control it i think that's that's powerful yeah yeah
2: i love it all right you ready for some rapid fire questions hit me okay um what does it mean to you to be strong
1: oof that's a tough one um Okay, if I, if I had an answer right now today, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. The other day, my wife and I were having a little bit of a, uh, a tiff. Uh, I, I can't even remember what it was about, but she said to me, right now, you're not being inspiring, and you're not making me feel safe. Damn. Yeah, damn. And that was like one of the last things she told me that night. That's me not being very strong. Right in that moment that led to that. So strength, I would say, being able to adapt and say, okay, let me reflect on what was my action. What was my intention behind that action? What was the context of that action and what got me to maybe, uh, acting the way that I did and what can I change? Okay. I got that. Great. Now, how can I make men's? Am I going to let time, fix that or do i need to have a conversation so knowing being aware enough to know how to act meaning am i fit enough to resolve what's currently happening so i can be in a place of highly uh, being highly interested in the situation and having low drag being fluid
2: i think even just your ability to your willingness to share that experience but also the the fact that your wife was able to communicate it that way speaks to the relationship that you guys have, the work that you guys both do personally and as a uh, a married couple to be able to talk to each other that way. Because I can think of a lot of tiffs or spats or whatever you want to call them that people may have where neither party is able to communicate what she communicated and it escalates into something that it is no longer working towards a positive outcome. Mm-hmm and I mean major props to her for being able to say that and I know that I mean, look, I know if, if Donna said that to me, I know how I would feel That's why I said damn because <laughs> yeah. I mean that would just stop me in my tracks no matter what's happening
1: Well, she knew exactly what to say and she was totally right I was being I was putting in her her in a position that was not making her feel safe right. nor was I being inspiring in how I was asking right. uh, For a change in behavior if that's what I was seeking
2: awareness of you and her feelings and exactly what to say, like, yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. So,
1: <laughs> Well, we, we, we've worked really hard on it. And yeah, I think one cool. of the things that got us there was becoming, uh, foster parents and eventually adopting our daughter, uh, as a teenager, uh, that got us to really start to work our communication, uh, at a, at a higher level.
2: All right. I'm glad you brought up your daughter. That's actually the next question. Nice. If you could only teach her one lesson, oh, what shit. would it be?
1: So if if there was only one lesson, I would say the th- the thing that comes up at night right before you're going to fall asleep, that keeps on repeating itself, that's what matters the most, and that's the thing that you need to move towards. Not away from it, not against it, towards it. That'll be it. And just to continue to do that until you find uh, the ability to exercise extreme compassion not just towards what you're moving but for yourself and and realize that your actions are affecting uh, more than yourself yeah I would say that 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 would be the one lesson I would try to teach her
2: what have you changed your mind about in the last 6 months
1: 12 months I'm not sure I'm not sure what I've changed my mind about. Um, Okay. If there's, there's some people, so I, I, I don't, I love people, uh, but there are certain characters that people express that I struggle with because I I can't, I, I, I don't find them authentic or I feel like, uh, at certain points of time are damaging. There's a lot of people that I have judged in the past. And maybe even continue to judge right now without being aware of uh, that. I have changed my mind about them and freed myself of uh, holding on to this uh, judgment of their character and persona. Mm -hmm. Because I I know that they're just the weather at this moment, that is not the the climate, it's not who they really are. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's probably been, if, if there's one thing is, is how I see certain individuals, which of course I won't name, uh, here, but, uh, that would be the one thing. Yeah. Other than that, I th- I think that's, that's it. I'm, I feel like I'm on this path right now and I'm feeling it. I love it. Beautiful.
2: Final question. You know, what's coming. Mm-hmm. All right. And number- I, I don't know what the answer <laughs> is. But- <laughs> Nobody ever does. Yeah. I don't know That's, what the answer is, but I know it's kind of, it's kind of like, hit the, me uh, with dude. it's kind of like your, your first response to, uh, what does it mean to you to be strong? You could probably answer that and this question, mm-hmm. um, differently any day of the week, which yeah. is why it's such a c- cool question. Uh, but we want to know your number one tip to, to be better as a human and then to do better for our communities or for others.
1: Mm-hmm yeah i would say the one tip is slow the f down like where where are you going like what are you chasing you you have the ability to attract things so i think that would that will be the number one tip uh what was the second question
2: second part to that is we do all this stuff to be a better human whether it's stronger faster read faster be a better communicator be a better leader or whatever but to what end how do we use all of those tools to do better
1: yeah i think don't put things uh away you know don't don't hide things don't try to compartmentalize things don't don't try to put them off for tomorrow like try to act on the thing that's coming up for you right now right now And it doesn't mean that you have to dedicate a lot of time, but just act on it. If you're feeling something, if something's coming up, like, what is this thing? Or you have the urge of messaging someone, just do it. Now, be careful, because sometimes uh, that that can have some consequences, as we talked about earlier. But yeah, just don't postpone the things that you know you want to do, because eventually... You're going to be on your deathbed looking back and being like, what the hell? Why did I never pursue this? And as I'm telling you, I'm telling myself right now the same thing. Like, what am I scared of? Why am I postponing things? Yeah, don't postpone it.
2: Get it done. Yeah. Go get it. Mm -hmm. All right. Carl. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Better Human Project.
1: Dude, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Pleasure's ours. Awesome.
2: Thank you.